you know, let's go, M, M fucker, motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, why would I, why would I censor the mother bit? Uh, anyway. <laughs> M fucker. <laughs> Hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. There's lots of bits and pieces around the news, some coaches have gone, some players are now gone for the season. Uh, there's a couple of interesting games coming up and some very tetchy matches to review from last week as well as finally getting to some of your questions. So hey guys, we've got Connor here, we've got Harry. Hello. And we've got Ronan. Hi. How are we getting on lads, any crack? I'm uh, pretty tired. Had a weekend. Not as much of a weekend as you did by the sounds of it. Yeah, I was out in Cardiff for a stag do. Uh, it was a bit mad. Terrible game of rugby that we attended live, but a great game to watch in the match where New Zealand beat uh, England in the dying moments and there was 25 sad English men surrounding me while all the Welsh in the pub cheered New Zealand and uh, I cheered, including a beautiful moment where one of them who was a bit drunk turned me was like, do you watch much rugby yourself? And I said, oh yeah, I watch a good bit of it. And he goes, uh, but like you're cheering at all the wrong times. I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> what about yourself, Ronan? How's all down in Cork? Uh, well, just released the, the latest version of Enquiry for Sample Size today. So uh, finally bid through a fairly busy period at work. So mm. I'm going to celebrate this weekend with a, with a bit of come down to Dublin and celebrate with the football and the rugby and a big sports fiesta. Oh, that's going to be great. Uh, so if you have any large data set needs, log on and use code AFQ. <laughs> well, you'd be our first sponsor. Uh, yeah, no, it should be good fun. So we've got plans for that. We'll discuss that later on, I suppose, at the tail end. But yes, you're coming up. We're going to finally get you live for a podcast. We're going to have a big weekend of sport. It's going to be great fun. Uh, we'll fly straight into some of the stories around the league. Uh, big news, I suppose. Uh, Cincinnati have fired their defensive coordinator, Terrell Austin. Comes after, I think, three games in a row where they were allowed over 500 yards of offense. And Marvin Lewis to take over the defensive play calling. Um, do we... <laughs> Do we like this move? I don't know if we do, to be honest. Like, well, I think it's a situation where, yes, he probably does deserve to be fired considering how bad the defense is. They have had a few injuries, uh, like that crew over the current course of the season, but they still have enough talent there. People like Geno Atkins and like Drake Kirkpatrick, etc., that they should be an okay defense. But I think when we're looking at this team, and we've probably been saying this for multiple years, I don't think... The reason the Cincinnati Bengals are as basically below average as they are is because of Terrell Austin. It's because they have a coach who has not won a playoff game in over 10 years yeah. uh, since he got there. And yeah, it just feels like a situation where Marvin Lewis is on the hot seat. He has to make a move similar to what happened in Tampa Bay with Mike Smith. And this is what they do. But if they end up burning and crashing in the last half of the season, which we I think we all think is likely considering what's happened, then Marvin Lewis may be the one to give up. But uh, then against Marvin Lewis, I don't know if you can kill him in Cincinnati. Well, this is this is the thing, because obviously, because he's going to have to dedicate some of his brain power now towards managing the defense, he's decided to bring in uh, all-star, <laughs> all-star special assistant Hugh Jackson to, uh, to help run the team. So is this getting the dream team back together, Harry? Or uh, is this just a Hugh Jackson making another terrible decision where he's tying himself to a coach that's probably on the way out as well? Oh my god, this is just sad. I mean, yeah, bring back the cream team that can bring you another like divisional round loss. I mean, mm. look, Hugh Jackson 
was good as an assistant in Cincinnati. I think we all know that. Um, I'd be concerned bringing him in at this point just because of the way in which he dealt with his firing. I don't know if his head is in the right place. I think he might benefit from a little bit of time away to uh, reassess, basically, mm-hmm. where he wants to go. This seems like a panic move from both parties, where Hugh Jackson desperately wants to get a shot immediately in any capacity, and the Bengals are spinning in circles trying to find uh, a way to recapture past form. So, yeah, this just seems silly, and this is the sign of an organization that is just a little bit panicked right now. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. If I'm a Cincinnati fan, this is not exactly filling me with a huge amount of hope. Uh, although, I suppose the only thing is that like, they were they were showing signs earlier on in the season of being a bit stronger than they have been of late. So, maybe they can back, back to that form at least, because uh, I don't think anything new that gets brought in at this point is going to be maybe the best move for the franchise. Uh, other news yeah. going on. Oh. They have Cleveland twice in the back half of the season. So yeah. The joke going around is that, uh, well, Hugh Jackson knows how to make the Cleveland brands lose, so he's the perfect person to come in. Exactly, yeah. Oh. I think they have, a pretty, they have a pretty soft back half, so they could sneak into a wild card spot, but they're destined to get knocked out if that happens anyway. Oh, 100%. The, uh, the old, uh, isn't it the wild card Saturday against the Houston Texans? Isn't that always the, uh, the lineup? Mm-hmm. Yeah. TJ Yates out of retirement one more time. Oh, yeah. The, <laughs> the Bengal killer. Uh, next up in the news, Le'Veon Bell. Now, this is an ongoing thing at the moment, but uh, it seems to be pretty much uh, the way things are going. Le'Veon Bell does not look set to report. Uh, some strange announcements came from Twitter, including some old tweets about how if you can sit out, you don't love the game enough that he posted about four years ago. Um, it's an interesting one because there seems to be a lot of question marks around what the story is if he doesn't report. Uh, the consensus now appears to be that if he doesn't report, he would still need to be tagged at the higher number next year, which would mean he'd be tagged at roughly $25 million, which, let's be honest, Pittsburgh are not going to want to pay that money for him. They've gotten a huge amount of production out of James Conner in his absence. This is a spot where both teams, or both the team and the player, are kind of getting what they want, but neither are coming off well in the entire scenario. So do we think that this will help or hinder Lev Bell's market in the upcoming uh, in the in the upcoming season. I think whatever damage could have happened to his reputation has already happened. There's no way uh, that he could really have gotten any worse. I think showing up at this point, I think from his position only makes himself uh, you know like the chance of injury is just too high. And I think for him, like it's kind of unusual. Because I think the only like situation maybe of any person over the last ten years was like Carson Palmer in Cincinnati but in that case he was under contract so they had a huge amount of leverage but as you rightfully point out if the Steelers like if he does not show up then like they would have to re-tag him to be able to keep his rights because he is a free agent they only were keeping on the tag for two years um, and then yeah there's a whole contractual dispute like you said there that it will be at 25 million we actually don't know exactly what it will be because it will depend down to the interpretation of the CBA whether it should be based on current running back contracts or the previous contract or the contract that he would have got if he had actually played. Well, actually, I think I think this is the thing that I've been reading and where some of the confusion stems from, that it's if he makes it to that third contract, that it's not just at his position. It's the average of the top five total, isn't it? So it gets out mm-hmm. of the running back realm and into the QB realm of what they'd have to be paying him. Like, honestly, I've heard a lot of conflicting reports. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly the feeling I got is the CBA is a bit uh, weird and st- stupid. Uh, I think, like, you know, like the one of the kind of Steelers insiders, D.D. Uh, Tijuana, is like someone who 
is a lawyer and when she talks about this issue she's like i'm a lawyer and i have no idea what's happening with the cba or what happens in the situation it's just so unprecedented and i think you know what the fuck's going to happen now i i have no idea but i think at this point the steelers have their running back of the future to 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 tag him again will at least require the same amount of cap space as they had this year which was you know around 15 or 17 million yeah and i think you know you have to keep that free in case he does sign the tag and i just think for a team like this that an organization like this it doesn't need, need that shit going on in the background it's 100%. not the Dallas cat boys they want to move on uh, and just you know not stop having to ask questions with this crowd 100 percent. uh that's actually that uh, as we said the last two weeks we get some of your questions emich who's a steelers fan asked us that question said now that levy on bell is not shown up what the fuck that is what the fuck or at least a vague interpretation of what the fuck might be yeah. uh, don't be surprised that there's some like legal shenanigans in the offseason or something like that, but I think he'll be a free agent. 100%. 100%. Uh, next up, we'll have a look at some of the injuries around the league. Um, LA Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup has torn his ACL, so he's gone for the season. Uh, recently, of New Orleans wide receiver Des Bryant has also torn his Achilles, and he's gone for the season. Uh, that Hashtag was t- the X. Yeah, two days after signing, so they have now moved on, and they have uh, Brandon Marshall in the building. I don't believe he's currently got a contract, but by the time you're listening to this, he probably will have. Um, those are probably the two big ones so what do we think obviously the Cooper Cup injury is a big one for them they did have to play a couple of games without him due to earlier injury this season but he does seem to be quite a difference maker for them when he's on the field so do we think they will look to find a free agent to bring in to replace or do we think because they do have a lot of weapons on that offence as it stands yeah I think they'll be fine to be honest you like Cup is a very good player but we've seen them manage without him. We've seen them get good production out of like random guys they pulled off the practice squad, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, that offense is... I don't really go, oh, it's a system offense, but it, it, it is. And that's what good offenses often are. Like They find players who are able to fit and are able to execute and all that cliche crap. But that's what the Rams are doing really, really well. And we know mm-hmm. that's what they're doing well. And you know they figured out what Jared Goff can do well and are playing to that. So like yeah, it's a blow in the sense of losing any good player is a blow. But this, this offense is a well-old machine, as you said, they... Tons of weapons. You look at Robert Woods, who has turned his career around there. Uh, Brandon Cooks, obviously, you've got Todd Gurley. There's a, even like there's decent tight ends. Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby are pretty solid for ball catch. Like, there's no. I've had, I've had to do a bit of a deep dive uh, for a tight end in a couple of fantasy leagues. You're, you're familiar with Everett and Higby, then, yeah. Familiar. Especially um, when they're playing the Chiefs, who I believe are statistically the worst defense against tight ends. Well, there you go. Mm. That might be a good pickup. But yeah, no, I, I think the rounds will be fine. Obviously, it, it's a blow, but. I don't think this is going to make any real difference to where they're going to end up this season. So, Rowan, coming into this signing, uh, what did you think? 90, 95 yards for Des Bryant this season? <laughs> uh, yeah, like I think he was obviously a big hype thing. I think with the way that New Orleans offense was playing, he probably would have got yards, but just because it's hard not to get yards if you're like New Orleans wide receiver on the field. Um I think like he was going to add a certain element, and obviously the fact that they've gone out and signed Brandon Marshall indicates that they believe that they need another wide receiver in the room. Yeah. I think they're playing a bit of Traycon Smith, a rookie, a rookie or second-year player, who obviously they don't believe can fulfill a type mm. of possession type or veteran <coughs> type role. But I think you know when you have Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, uh, and you have Mark Ingram, like you know whoever the third or fourth wide receiver is, yeah. isn't really that important. I think it, it's just a lot of free press for New Orleans and a lot of attention on them that a championship contender they, they, they presume they don't uh, disagree with at this point no of course a couple of other season enders from around the league Denzel Perryman for the LA Chargers has done his knee he's gone for the season uh, Ronald Darby the cornerback for Philly is gone Chris uh, <coughs> 
Christian Kirksey for Cleveland, the linebacker, is gone for the season. EJ Gaines received another concussion, which I believe is like his 15th, so he's now gone for the season. Uh, to replace them, they clearly didn't read it close enough. They've signed another cornerback, Philip Gaines, oh no. who is the worst player in the league at the moment. Uh, which is interesting, because for a very brief period, he was just cut by the Bills, which says a lot. He was the worst player not in the league for about four days. Sure. Uh, Jacksonville center Brandon Lane is gone, and uh, Oakland's wide receivers have gotten even worse off. Martavis Bryant has gone for a PCL tear, so he's gone for the season. And Jordy Nelson is expected to retire this week uh, with the claims of it being a knee injury. But to be honest, just being on the Raiders would make you want to retire. So, so for that record, that means that the top two wide receivers in Oakland are now... Brandon LaFell and Seth Roberts. And, so, and Jared Cook, the tight end. Well, yes. I, 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 wide receivers, yeah. 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 Jared um, Cook is probably now the best receiver in Oakland. <laughs> yeah, like I think I think the Denzel Perryman one it can could be a bit of damaging to the LA Chargers because they've got a they've got a nice looking schedule for the next three games and then they've got a tough push at the end, uh, so that could be problematic. And Ronald Darby, obviously for Philly, has they haven't been playing as well as they maybe have previous years, but probably still an important person. And Cleveland losing some more defensive pieces. And like I, I'm not gonna lie, I'm I'm a hundred percent off your defence if you have Philip Gaines on it uh, which is bizarre because it turns out the Bills are like the number one ranked defence so far this year uh, and that was with Philip Gaines so yeah but well, they did against <coughs> Atlanta so maybe they found some other solution for that yeah, and the only other bit would be uh, Detroit wide receiver Marvin Jones has a brome, bu- bu- a brome bruise, a bone bruise, and he is day to day with that, uh, which is good news because I think they initially thought it might have been an ACL damage. Um, so onto the controversy corner this week, we discussed this a little bit uh, last week, but in Baltimore, John Harbaugh is now expected to mutually part ways uh, after this season. They're saying that there's no chance of him being fired in the middle of the season, and he will be expected to be pursued as a head coach candidate for any number of other teams. Uh, looking at you, Browns. Um, this also probably points to the Ravens getting ready to start Lamar Jackson to try and see what they have there. Uh, and I believe there's some talk about Flacco getting an injury designation, uh, which we don't know whether it's to save face or not. So it is. do we think that, one, this is a good move for Baltimore, uh, both I suppose we'll take it in two parts. First part, the coaching section. Do we think it's a good move for them to be moving away from John Harbaugh? And if they are moving away from him, who would we expect them to be looking at bringing in? Uh, I don't... I'm not a huge fan of the move. I think we discussed this last week. I think John Harbaugh, with his resume, has earned the right to, like, come through what presumably they think is the next generation of Ravens football Mm -hmm. uh, with Lamar Jackson. I think there's no reason to believe that he's bad with quarterbacks. He, he won a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco. That's a pretty good. That's a pretty good sign that you can at least get a good production out of quarterbacks when they're young uh, and cheap. So I think for a team like Baltimore, you're kind of looking at like who are the internal candidates because they're always someone that you're like maybe these people would currently try to get in here. So you're looking at their first quarter, Marty Morning, like no, not really. Like there, Don Martindale, he's someone who kind of came through recently but I think it's hard to know they're kind of one of those organizations that don't really show their hand and with a new GM in tow it's very hard to see but I think they're one who might look towards uh, like uh, might look towards maybe uh, like uh, one of these maybe they'll see the writing on the wall and try get one of these offensive coaches uh, like John Filippo because that's the trend in the league and I think for a team like this the major thing that they have in their favor over the other organizations that will likely have 
coaching opportunities is that the Baltimore Ravens isn't a complete shit show in terms of ownership, yeah. in terms of or in terms of organizational culture. So if you're a, a young coach that wants to come into an organization that has a history of winning and which you won't get screwed over like instantly, then it seems like a really good opportunity on that front. But obviously you have Lamar Jackson, which is really exciting. Yeah, of course. And that's the thing. It's, it's a rare occasion when you look at some of these jobs that you have that kind of clean break of being able to bring in a coach and a GM at the same time. I they bring in Jim Harbaugh. That'll be savage. I think it'd be great if they bring in Jim and then the Browns sign. Also, I, I do want to take an objection to this because I, I get what Fitz is saying, but look, let's face it. Since he won that Super Bowl with Flacco, which was one weird year where Joe Flacco went mental, Horrible was essentially eight and eight in perpetuity. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, he's solid, and it's the same. He's actually very quietly played himself into the Marvin Lewis corner, really, of being like just about solid enough and there's nothing wrong with him to, to an extent but like when you look at some things like say last year uh, and even the year before that if you look at like who they had on the outside wide receiver wise the fact that they're hamstrung with Joe Flacco like they didn't have like you when you look at Cincinnati you see like AJ Green you see a couple of running backs who are able to actually get production and you see bigger pieces on defense that are able to, 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 to come up good for them a bit more often. There's there's more talent on the Bengals roster in the last 10 years well, than there has been on the Ravens de- roster. Defense, well, oh, I, I strongly disagree, particularly with defense. Um, I mean, you've got guys like, you know, I fucking hate him, but Ray Lewis, Terrell mm. Suggs, um, Jimmy Smith, CJ Mosley, like... Yeah, but the defense has been good. Baltimore like, there has been a bad Baltimore defense. It's been the offense. Games. And that comes down to Joe Flacco. No, Harbaugh should never run that fucking Super Bowl, then it's all his fault. Probably right. Uh, but that brings on to the other part of this question, Harry. When we look at Lamar Jackson, do you think it's good that they're going to get him run out for the next little while? Or that they're kind of essentially... I, I don't know if you look at this as being a giving up in the season thing. It is. Uh, I, was, I was more going to say, like, given what we've seen from Joe Flacco of late, but... Well, I think it is giving up on the season, but I think you know, the season is done either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's giving up on Joe Flacco. Uh, which is very important. Like this is a chance. It's like, all right, let's give this kid a few games. Doesn't? Yeah, he's going to be ropey. Of course, he's going to be ropey. But let's give him a se- half a season where you know the pressure really is off. The team doesn't expect to make the playoffs. Let's settle him in. Get him actually playing the scheme live, moving mm-hmm. around, um, fitting in with the pieces. You know, like so. To me, I think this this absolutely makes one hundred percent sense. That's why I mentioned earlier that the Flacco injury is it's a face saver. Like this is this is the future. And I mean, if you want to at some point do it, you've got to see what you got not everyone is going to just pat Mahomes their way into it yeah and, and it, it might, might, it might be useful in attracting games. a head coach to actually have some tape so they know what they're coming into with the and player also, in there if Jackson is absolutely brutal they know they've got to go and draft somebody yeah I don't think they're giving up completely though because like I think they're not going to win AFC North but considering who they're competing against in the wildcard hunt it's the Bengals it's the Dolphins it's like you know <laughs> there are other teams they don't matter though like the, <laughs> like the last a, like the last AFC spot as usual is going to be a complete shit show like uh, Tennessee and Indianapolis are probably in there as well so and they have, they have to play the Bengals the Raiders and the Bucks and the Browns and they're running so there's certainly wins in there if Lamar Jackson isn't a complete shit show yeah uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if they finished like 9-7 and seven and squeaked into the playoffs and like considering that they have their rookie quarterback of the future that's the kind of experience that uh, you know winning organization wouldn't mind having, even if they do end up getting knocked out in the wild card. No, of course. Uh, Eric Reed has been out in the media this week as well, saying that he thinks the NFL want to get him out of the league because he says he has received multiple drug tests and uh, he also got ejected during the Pittsburgh game. Uh, do you think they're out to get him? Yes. Roland? 
Yeah, pretty much. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm gonna say no, but not explain myself because I don't really know. No, uh, no. I think I think yeah, they're not they're not loving him being there, but I think they're also trying to save face a little bit by going, oh, we totally support him, but we'd rather if he wasn't here making noise, uh, which is the problem. Uh, crime and punishment. What are they gonna do? Probably felonies. I don't think this is quite a felony level, but it's a it's it's a it's a, it's, it's a pretty 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 fun little story so uh, New Orleans during the game uh, before the game were complaining that there was a fire alarm going off uh, in their locker room apparently this was going off in the building beforehand uh, it went off for about 15 minutes they got pissed off at it and they just broke the fire alarm so then apparently they are now being charged whatever like $63 for the ch- for the uh, for the for the fire alarm because they said it's, it's very uncool of them to do that uh, next up we get some trades and extensions we'll fly through these uh, Atlanta sign outside linebacker uh, slash defensive end Reserving, uh, he was released from the Raiders. Is now getting to go home, playing on a cheaper deal. He claimed that he was offered better money by, um, I believe it was the Pats and someone else, maybe New Orleans. Uh, but he wanted to go home to Atlanta, and he also is connecting back with a coach that he worked with beforehand. So it's probably overall a good position for him. Buffalo have finally released Nathan Peterman. Apparently, like. Five hours after the coach had tweeted out that he still has faith in Nathan Peterman. Uh, all hail Matt Barkley. He's coming in. He's going to be, uh, well, I don't know don't know if good, but definitely not as bad. Uh, let's give it more than a week. Probably better than Josh Allen, who I believe might be available soon. Uh, but uh, just, just to talk about that Bills game briefly, you know, Dion Dawkins offensive No, tackle. let's not talk about that game. And... Apparently, the Buffalo Bills have the number one defense in terms of yards alive per game. Yep. I don't know. Uh, I'm just like, okay, the Buffalo are good at things. Teams spend a quarter and a half kneeling down against them. Yeah, I saw, I saw that thing. Like they, had, they had two games where they played like lights out defense mm-hmm. that no one's expecting. And when you've got like a nine-game sample, if you kind of have two that are massive outliers, that's going to impact it hugely. Right. If everyone else is playing normal games. Come on, you're the stats guy, Fitz. Like the old statistics joke, you know, the statistician says you know, the river is like two meters on average. And then they fall into a crevice in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, uh, so yeah, there's also CJ Anderson was released by Carolina and Chandler Catanzaro was released by Tampa Bay and they signed Cairo Santos. Uh, so happy days for that. Other random bits of news. Seahawks are expected to be sold with the proceeds going to the Paul Allen Foundation. How do you feel about this, Fitz? Well, I don't think he's doing it for the tax break anyway, because he's dead. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> I, hang on, hang on. Are you suggesting the rich person is turning down a tax break? What? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's dead, so I don't know how much use it is. That's the best time to get a tax break. Yeah. No tax breaks in heaven. Uh, or hell, as it may be. But uh, no. Jesus, that guy just died. <laughs> it's just. Like, I think it's just important that just for context. This is the guy who complained about the traffic from a, a memorial game. Oh, so yeah, it's like, I forgot you know, that, yeah. Standards are low here, There were some rumours the sister might end up taking over because she was his only heir, effectively. Yeah. Uh, uh, but it seems like this, that with, with this kind of succession plan made public, I think the NFL preparing for it to be sold. But all the, all the indications are they won't sell to anyone who would take the team out of Seattle, so... Uh, we'll see if that makes any difference in practical terms, really. Yeah, and of course. And just two other random bits from around the league. Uh, Cody Parkey hits the uprights four times in the Detroit-Chicago uh, game. Is that the record, or is there a game with more? I think it's a, it has to be, it has to be a, a, like a single person's record. Like I, there, could be, there could be games with like each team having three, but I don't think anyone's going to hit it four times and not get pulled, right? Yeah, that's true. Uh, and finally, the Chiefs' fantastic run of winning the coin toss at the start of the games is now over. Uh, so, yeah. 
I don't know what that says. Bodes very badly for the upcoming games, I suppose. <laughs> oh. They played slightly less well against Arizona than they have. But... Fantastic. That's true, that's true. Uh, so we'll move on to the games from last week. So first up, we have the Ring of Honor. It's Seattle at the LA Rams, 31-36. to This was a tough, nasty game that was hard fought with an awful lot of aggression going into it and coming out of it, uh, particularly, uh, and I think... We'll come to you on this in a second, Fitz. The uh, the Donald versus Brit stuff with the hit uh, hit out of bounds and then the taking off a jersey and trying to start a fist fight that makes stuff. Way more sense because when you first talked about this, you said it was Tyler Lockett, and I was like, he's a brave man. Tyler <laughs> like five foot nine. Of him, I like, said there's one of them. I can remember. Justin Britt makes yeah. a lot more sense. Uh, this was obviously a clash of two very different offensive ideals. The LA Rams doing their multiple wide at all times and always running out of the same same kind of spot. The the Seahawks going back to kind of early nineties football, uh, where they just put extra linemen in that tight end and try and run it down their throat. Uh, it was quite an interesting game. Good performance from Seattle. Uh, I think unfortunately didn't go their way. Fitz, what do you take away from this game? Is this? I think we said last week when we talked about it that. This is one that would be an interesting one to see about how close or how far the Seahawks are from being able to hang with the big boys. And I think they put up a pretty good performance here. Yeah, like I think it's interesting. I think you're, as a, as, a, as a Seahawks fan, you're kind of both impressed and slightly worried at the same time because I think the way that they're playing right now, if it was paired with like the defense from two years ago, would be absolutely dominating right now. But the real fact is that they're they're playing as if their defense is really good and it's not. It's it's mm-hmm. decent right now. It's growing, a lot of young players, but they're not anywhere near those like championship level defenses they had a few years ago. So what's happening right now is that no matter what the situation is, they're kind of no, we have to stick with the run game. We have to grind out the clock. And in these situations that they're getting into um, like two-minute drills at the end of the first half. Obviously, at the end of this game, after a strip sack on Russell Wilson and going two touchdowns down, they had to go all the way down the field with a minute left. They just like it, that's when Aaron Donald and 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 Sue kind of showed up and showed kind of that maybe that on the pass rush, the interior isn't good as is in the, as the run game. But like in between those moments, in between the times when they really have to rush. The running game is just so impressive, getting, you know, 5, 10, 15, and sometimes getting really big runs, like we saw with Charles Penny here, that you're kind of like, well, you know, if this is the platonic ideal of football, as imagined by Brian Schottenheimer, uh, Pete <laughs> Carroll, and presumably Brian Baldinger, based on the video we saw a few weeks ago, yeah. uh, then it is really impressive what they're doing. It's really impressive that they're competing and going up against some of the best teams in football and giving them a really hard time using that level of football and, you know, really speaks how shit Tom Cable is. But I think at the end of the day, is that sustainable in 2018? Well, this when is this, the Rams this is what I was going to say. Like what you've got upcoming as a Seahawks fan, you got San Francisco twice. Which come on, we, we, we don't know what we're going to get out of that one. That's hit or miss. Arizona, who are a dumpster fire. Then we've got Minnesota, who are potentially good, potentially bad, depending on the day. Carolina, who are a decent team, who again are up and down. Green Bay, who. I don't even know who they are really this year. They can be great sometimes and they can just be the most bog standard team. And then Kansas City, who, you know, would probably be resting starters at that point. So you got a chance. Like, do you think that this is a team that can get into the into the wild card when you look at that upcoming row? Because if, if they all break right, they will. But if, if some of them break wrong, it's going to be a tough uphill battle. Ironically, I kind of feel like they're, they're on pace to probably finish 9-7 and seven again and miss out in the playoffs. 
to to one of those NFC North teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, either like, and if they lose against either Minnesota, Green Bay, then that tiebreaker stuff becomes very important. Like, I, I like the team, but it's just like it's so obvious that in these must-win like scenarios, in those two-minute drill scenarios, those end-of-game scenarios, the Seahawks have come up short again and again. And there was a big statistic during the game of a lot that you know, in in games with, with like in games which are finished within one score, they have only won one of those out of six. Why? Wow. I think that's just. Like it's it, it it like it's really good. It, like like for ninety percent of the game, it's really good. But as Pete Carroll said a lot of time, uh, says himself, you don't win games in the first quarter. You win them in the fourth quarter. And right now, the Seahawks can't play a level of football that can win them in those critical moments. So I just don't see them winning enough of those wildcard yeah. games. Like Harry, when we look at this LA Rams team, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know they get the win and that's good and it was a tough game to be to be playing. But this is a number of weeks in a row now where we've seen that defense underperform for the the quality of player that's on there and the amount of money that's being spent on it. Is this something that could impact them down the, down the stretch? Because like we said, if it wasn't for the fact that this Seattle offense is not really built for some of those more pass heavy time restricted moments, like this is a game that they could have easily lost. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, they came up like something like two hundred and. 70 odd rushing yards like this was bad from the Rams and I mean we've seen them struggle quite a bit recently and I don't know what's going on whether it's schematic I know we know they're a bit light at linebacker Mm. but it shouldn't be having this kind of impact with the talent they have on the front seven supposedly in the defensive backfield Um, and it's weird because this is a Wade Phillips defense this is how we saw them succeed in, in Denver, where with a heavy pass rush and good players in the back end, they didn't really need to worry that much about the quality of the linebackers. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. And yeah, will it get them exposed? But we, we saw it. We saw the Saints mm. take advantage of it. And that's that, I think, look, look, this team is so explosive and efficient on offense that they're going to be okay. But I think this, yeah, this is it. Like when they're going to get deeper into the playoffs, what we saw is like if you can't, if you give up only 500 yards to the Seahawks team that are like the, the bulk of it on the ground. And you, then you go into the playoffs and you run into you know your New Orleans Saints or whoever yeah. again, or even on a good day the Carolina Panthers for example. Like these are teams that will run all over the Rams. And yeah, I think this really puts a cap on on their potential. And we've seen now for a few weeks in a row that this defense isn't as good as it should be. And I don't I don't know what the cause is, man. I yeah. don't. But um, yeah, yeah, seriously, this this this. Is the kind of thing that takes them out of that Super Bowl contender category and really into this. this team will be in the playoffs, but they're not getting through them. I just to say it is really, it's always really fun to see a divisional rivalry that's getting heated up like this. So Aaron Donald and Justin Brick kicking shit after like Sean McVay when they won the game. Basic, you know, let's go and and fucker, motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, why would I? Why would I censor the mother bit? Uh, anyway, apparently his mother then rang him up and said, well, "You shouldn't be saying some, or, or he's busy being told to tone down the language." But I think the fact That's that he's into it, as Pete Carroll is nearly always into football, mm. uh, tend like both well for the future of the NFC West rivalry, even if the other Rams are on track to. Been, like, have the record for getting winning their division earliest in the season. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have the neutral zone, Jacksonville at Indianapolis, 26-29. Uh, this is probably the nail in the coffin for Jacksonville. They can probably get the... They could still get a wild card, but like, this is the kind of game that they need to be winning to be to, to be relevant, let's be honest. Uh, Bortles played a little bit better than some of the other ones, but like, it's just... I just don't get this team at the moment. Like Their defense went from... At the start of the season, first maybe two, three weeks... 
they were very good. Like we saw the performance they put in against New England. We saw even like how they, well, I think up until about the Chiefs game, then it all started to tumble a little bit for them. But like they went from that kind of high-flying, hard-hitting entity that no one wanted to go up and play to all of a sudden just being a mess. And it's not entirely on Bortles, although he's not been the best. Indianapolis in this game obviously were a bit strong. It was, it was, a, it was a good game from them. It was kind of pushing them back into relevancy and back into the hunt. Um, so I suppose I'll come to you, you on this one first, Ronan. Like, this Indianapolis team, is this a team that we should be taking seriously? Andrew Luck has been putting up ridiculous numbers. Yeah, I think it is. I think, like, if you look at the, the talent level on both teams, you, there's just no way you're really look well, Indianapolis should be winning this game. Obviously, the only exception is Andrew Luck uh, versus Blake Bortles. But if you look at the other one, you know, Calais Campbell versus Marcus Hunt, that type of comparison, it's just, it's night and day. So you look at this and you see a difference there, which is in terms of the culture like in Jacksonville you have a team where obviously Blake Bortles kind of comes out does his own thing did more dink and ducks there but in Indianapolis you have a team which even when they were losing didn't seem to be falling apart Frank Reich obviously was the like emergency dropped in coach that they got instead of Josh McDaniels and right now it looks like they got incredibly lucky because if Josh McDaniels had lost games earlier on I don't think things would have went very well uh, <laughs> historical precedent and I think you know, Chris Ballard was brought in a couple of years ago. He's done a really good job of just quietly turning over the roster. Mm-hmm. And now he has a coach who isn't overstated, isn't like rah, rah, stuff like that. It's just someone coming from a successful organization, trying to do the same thing. And, of course, the fact that Andrew Luck has come back finally from presumably his, you know, Tibetan retreat that he was actually on all mm-hmm. those years. Um, is a massive leap of luck, like a massive amount of luck that they got there. But you still have to put an organization around them. And you look at... The offensive line, uh, even though it suffered injuries and tackle positions, it's still one of the best offensive lines. I think they haven't given up a sack in like four games. Yeah, like it's Quentin crazy. Nelson, like a non-flashy pick that they made in the first round, has turned into an absolute superstar offensive rookie of the month as a guard last month. That gives the respect he is. And apparently, he's incredibly frightening because when he attacks you down the field as offensive lineman, he screams at you with a war cry. Presumably, <laughs> yeah. sends all of the rookie <clears throat> defenders... Scurrying away. I, 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 I was going to say, like, that video we saw of Baldinger discussing how Seattle are playing, like, I don't even want to see a video of him watching this dude play because <laughs> that would just horrify me. So, Harry, if yes. if you were looking after this, this Jacksonville Jaguars... I'm not, firstly. Like, how, how would you be doing this? Because, obviously, it's... To a certain extent, it has to be on the on the GM, the coaching there, that they didn't mm-hmm. correct this quarterback thing in the offseason and yes. they've allowed the, the team to fall into disarray and there's rumours about Jalen Ramsey going rogue and calling his own decisions and stuff on the field. Like, is this a spot where you look at it and go, right, this defence isn't playing at the level it is, our offence isn't working, we essentially should be either cleaning house, blowing it up, starting afresh, doing something like that. You no longer have these guys on their rookie contracts anymore because they're all coming off them now. Like, is this a is this a restart or is this a fixer-upper? I don't know. It's, it's, it's all the cap is the key is mm. the key issue which you quite rightly identify. And I mean, sending Bortles was... Why? Yeah. Like, th- this is weird. They had a very, very brief window, as it turned out, a window of precisely one season, and then it all fell to pieces. I, I don't know. Like, I wonder if this is if this is a cultural thing. And the one person who's escaped criticism in all of this battering of the Jags is Tom Coughlin. Yeah. Nobody is talking about when, it, when were, everything was going well. Everyone was like, oh, Tom Coughlin is laying down the law. He's making this organization work. We saw in New York that he let an organization slide into total dysfunction before he left. 
And I wonder if this is sort of an underrated thing here, and that this isn't just a on-the-field clean house, but this needs to go right to the top again and say, right, we had a thing that worked briefly, it's not working now, and we are just going to have to churn this whole thing. And yes, ultimately, successful teams can't do that, but the Jags have to remember that they're not a successful team. They're an unsuccessful team who had one good season, um, recently, obviously, with the, the, yes, know, the Frank Taylor days, all that, but... but uh, the, they need to recognize that, that now and look back and be like, unfortunately, this was an aberration. We are not a well-coached team. We are not a well-run organization. And you can know yourself, and we see it again. You can have all the talent in the world. And if people do not know how to put those pieces together and keep those pieces cohesive, it doesn't work. So for me, it's not blown up in the sense they need to get rid of all the talent, mm-hmm. but they need to blow up all the people who are underutilizing and misusing the talent. Yeah. And bring somebody in who can reform it slightly in his own way, but actually get the best out of what they have. Mm-hmm. Rightly or wrongly, the reason Tom Coughlin is getting away with it is because he has Super Bowl rings and none of the other people in his organization, the organization have any. Doug Barone doesn't have any, Jalen Ramsey doesn't have any, Blake Bortles don't have any, and you know, Jalen Ramsey's been strutting around all offseason and, and you know that's part of his attitude. Jalen Ramsey has never ring. won the championships, he's never won the rings, and like you know, like this kind of feels like the Seattle situation, but at least in Seattle they had succeeded sufficiently that you you had the thing, we've won the Super Bowl, we've done this before. Whereas this team, it just feels like another Jacksonville situation where this is an organization with a history of losing and they got really up in themselves and you know Tom Coughlin is supposed to be able to fix that, but he's the one who's won rings, so he's the one who gets away with it. The rest of these guys haven't proven anything yet and it's no surprise that you're gonna get shit shit all over this offseason if the season goes as we expect for the rest of this year yeah no of course we will move on now to the uh, dumpster fire and we will talk about this one briefly because it doesn't deserve anything more Washington Tampa Bay uh, 18 to 3 16 to 3 16 to 3 um Obviously, Washington won because they got the first score on the board and they have not allowed a lead change to happen all year. Look, the way, the way, the way this game went, uh, like the five red zone trips for Tampa Bay, yeah. three turnovers, a missed field goal, a field goal, maybe it's just some kind of super shield they have in Washington now for, we got ahead, we got ahead first, you're not getting ahead of us here, even if the game turns into an absolute trash fire because of their super shield. Yeah, this is already, like like what happened to this Tampa Bay team? Like like you were saying there, there was five red zone turnovers, like three turnovers, a missed field goal, and one field goal in five trips. Mm-hmm. Like, is this because their their head coach is kind of he's taken over the offensive play calling? <laughs> that could just be a coincidence. But it could just be a coincidence. <laughs> Uh, I did see I did see some incredible uh, Fitzmagic highlights at one point as well though because I didn't see much of this game I just saw some bits and pieces. There, sorry, Brian Fitzpatrick in this game was the Fitzpatrickist. <laughs> like he threw for for four hundred yards, threw two incredibly stupid interceptions. The, when they missed the first kick, I remember the first kick they missed. Um, it was because Fitzpatrick could have dived for a first down, but instead ran backwards to try to avoid, like, four... Can you tell us the only game I saw some of? <laughs> <laughs> four defenders um, out of, like, it was... He was trucking into contact. Like, the dude doesn't know... I've actually reached the conclusion that it isn't just Fitzpatrick isn't having fun out there. I've reached the conclusion that he has absolutely no idea what he's doing and is just terrified on every play, running around and clattering into things like an overactive child. It's hilarious. But you saw that super sweet Not picture of him in his helmet with his, uh, with his reflective aviators on, just looking like yeah. a boss. So. I mean, look, he's enjoying himself out there, but it's, that's not a sustainable way to play football, and we saw it. This team, it, it's fucking, it's the fucking Rex Grossman Bears like. Yeah. Like, there was very little in this game to really take from Washington, was there? I, yeah, but- like, like, on offense, they, like, I, I said it last week, I said it after 
the uh, injury news that I think this offense is going to turn absolute shit, and it basically did against the worst defense, well, one of the worst defenses in the league. Yeah. Less than 100 yards carrying. Their top receiver is Maurice Harris with 52 yards on five receptions. Alex Smith, less than 200 yards. He can't get a touchdown. And, like, I think, obviously, their defense is really good, and obviously DJ Schweringer, John Allen are really good. So it feels like this team knows the offense is kind of crap, so they're going to become even more conservative than they were earlier on in the season. And that will somehow make, like, you know, they're, they're, they're two true games up in the NFC East, but I would rather really any other team, I would rather Dallas, I would rather, well, I'd definitely rather Eagles, but I'd mm-hmm. even rather Dallas in the, the playoffs over there, because right now they're just a team that's so, so limited, and you just don't want to watch any game yeah, involving but them right now. as a fan of any team that might get into the playoffs, you, you probably would want them there, because they'll manage, like, 100 yards of offense and lose. There isn't enough games left at that point to be wasting them on a, a team like the Mazungus. Yeah, no, fair enough, really fair is. Uh, and with that, we're going to move on from those and move on to some of the questions from you, the listeners. Just a note that some of this stuff has changed since it was recorded, but I'm sure you can figure that out for yourself. Okay, so we've got a few questions and we'll try and get through a couple of them now. Uh, so the first is, we're coming into the Mexico game. We'll uh, be chatting about that in our previews. But uh, in case you haven't seen the picture that's circulating online, there was, I believe, a concert on there and they have absolutely destroyed the pitch. It looks horrendous. Uh, there's question marks over whether or not they're going to be able to replace the turf because I believe it's a combo turf thing that is half artificial, half real, and that is more difficult to change or something. Uh, so the question is, considering the quality of the pitch in Mexico... For for both player safety and for it to be an enjoyable game, should they change the venue? Um, I, I kind of understand where this is coming from. I think it's too short a notice within a week's time to essentially be able to change a venue. But like, this cannot be a sustainable venue for them to be playing NFL games in, especially if they're bringing quality teams down to that venue. If they can't... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the Jags play the books. Like. Well, it's more that I believe the NFL is probably as invested in the teams that will get them big marketing yeah, revenues and stuff uh, than they would if it was just like the Bills and the yeah. Browns all the time. But this is the thing that it can't be sustainable to have this quality of facility being used. Uh, and I know they might be able to fix some of it with money, but surely they need to cop themselves on a bit. If you, they you, can't replace it. you can't replace the pitch <coughs> with money, Connor. Why not? No grip. Can we not just play on money? Fall everywhere, man. Everywhere. <laughs> Terrible. But um, but yeah. So like, should 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 this be should fixing this issue be a, a contingency for the continuation of games in Mexico and being played in that stadium? Yes, and you always need a backup plan. Like the same way that Tottenham's toilet bowl wasn't finished, they had a backup plan. Mm. Like they need to be aware of the fact that things can and do go wrong. In the same way that they have contingencies for regular games, like one of the games uh, this weekend because of the fires in California and the air quality was almost moved to Dallas. Yes, I read about that. It's unfathomable to me that the NFL do not have a plan B in place such as just having the game in a different stadium yeah. in America. And I realise that would suck. It's, it's, like, it's, it's a home game for the Rams, yeah. so just let them play it at home. Yeah, I mean, it, would they notice the difference? Um, but it would suck. It sucks for fans, it would suck for everyone who wants it to come down, but ultimately, like, it's irresponsible to expect players to play on a pitch that bad because that's how you get RG3'd. Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 it like, obviously they should... But obviously, they, like they're not going to do it because the money's too much and it's a big mm-hmm. market. Um, uh, like it's it's really unfortunate. But I suppose you know if you're willing to make them play during the middle of a massive blizzard in Buffalo, then I suppose having shitty turf in Mexico is an acceptable level of risk. 
to put people's ACLs at. So yeah. the NFL has a is a pretty they're pretty blasé about the health of their players. Really, mm. they take. Uh, next question is actually also to do with international games. So uh, the Rams have announced this week that they're going to play one of their preseason games in Honolulu, I believe. Uh, are there any venues that we would like to see international games played or bye weeks played? I think anyone gives a shit about bye weeks. Yes, I would like to see the entire Tennessee Titans schedule moved to the moon. Okay, interesting. Fuck uh, the Tennessee Titans. I never want to watch them again. And they beat the Patriots. <laughs> Do you, you, the misery of watching your team lose to a team that are boring and shit and bad. Send the Tennessee Titans to the fucking moon. Oh, well, believe me, I'm kind of with you. Like, remember what happened with the Chiefs and the Titans last year? Yeah, I do. Fucking <laughs> those motherfuckers. Moon. Moon. I'm trying to think. Um... Well, Dublin. Yeah, Dublin. Like, I, 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 like this thing. I would, like, I would go to see a fucking like week four preseason game if it was on in Dublin. To be honest, the city um, struggles to deal with uh, large numbers of people, though. Yes, um, but uh, I would, I would fucking love that. Yeah, it'd be great, crack. Um, I'm trying to think. Is there anywhere else? Uh, I think commercially speaking, one of the Asian markets, Japan or China, probably. Well, I don't think that's true. I think that's that's a, that's a soccer thing. Like it, 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 that's not a, not a big market at all for this. Like for baseball, well, maybe you could see. You looked at the international series, yes, but for a preseason game, mm. that's kind of something you're kind of yeah. trying to boost the market, test the waters. I think there's things. markets that make more sense. I think even places like Germany. Um, would would be a better bet than, than the Far East. Awesome, I just I think, don't think there's any appetite for American football there. Bizarrely, actually, because I was reading about this online recently enough, there's a whole series of like manga comic books based around American football. That's it's like, called oh, it's like fuck, I've Power 49 or something. Yeah, like I Shield or? something, isn't it? So I I've, heard, I've vaguely heard about this. Yeah. But again, that doesn't mean anything. There's also an entire series of like manga comics based around the life of Jesus. I mean, it's weird. Uh, and another question comes in. It says, uh, going into week 11 we see the bye weeks oh yeah yeah i know what this is about this is um so the bye weeks this week have the entire afc east on bye week and the idea the question the question is is it a good idea to move to having uh conferences or divisions taking the weeks off together so that you kind of know when your team and your rivals are not playing and you're able to take a full week off the emotional roller coaster of being a supporter Mm, I, I guess I mean I doesn't, this doesn't this doesn't seem particularly significant to me. I mean it would be great if you know the AFC South took a bye week every week, but mm. like yeah, I see from a scheduling point of view it kind of makes sense. Yeah, I I I, I, I haven't really thought about this much like whether or not it would actually impact a huge amount of schedule. It means more. Uh, the the only thing I can think of that's particularly interesting about this is in regarding to televised game markets, but that's kind of a dying. Yeah, anyway, it's kind of moving away at this point. Uh, yeah. You make operations research problem even more complicated because they have so many different constraints they're already dealing with because we know for example both LA and the Chiefs requested to have a game in Denver uh, the week previous to this to ensure that they could get used to you know high altitude and both of those were rejected so sure you could have it as like the 59th preference of things we want to do with our schedule yeah is it something we'll do in the regular probably not because all the other constraints have to be got first of course, and then operations research corner. And then our final, uh, our final question is actually slightly more about like normal football. So if Julio Jones uh, is the fastest receiver to reach ten thousand yards. He has done so eleven games faster than Calvin Johnson has. Uh, where does he rank all time for yourselves? Um, that's an interesting one. See, the thing is, I don't know about you guys. I imagine you're about the same. Of like, 
we came into it probably a little bit too late to have like really experienced some of the some of the guys who are considered like the top tops of like we saw the tail end of like Jerry Rice maybe or stuff like that. Tail end of Randy Moss, I remember. It's like Randy Moss, yeah. yeah. Jerry Rice, I don't think he was well gone by the time we got. Yeah, well, Jerry Rice, I think was still playing for the Raiders in like two thousand and one, wasn't he? Yeah, but I was. T- like I was like 12, 13 like I mean I, don't, I wasn't watching American football oh, fair. Any uh, I, was, I was watching from around then-ish oh, fair enough. I, um, I, think I, was, I wasn't watching much because there wasn't much of it around starting about 2006, 2007 um, but let's say like in the last 10 years looking at wide receivers around the league uh, yeah. like I think he's, he's, he's very much up there. he's considered one of the nicest guys in the world or in the league isn't he? apparently but they said about everyone I, until they get arrested I think the problem is that I, I don't think he uh, I think he's made a lot of great plays and stuff like that, but he hasn't really had those series of iconic games that establish his legacy. Like Megatron, even though he's on a shit team, there's just certain games you're like, well, Megatron just owned that game. Whereas Julio, he racks up a lot of yards, but like as the touchdown issue kind of alludes to, uh, is he the guy making the play that matters for them? If they won that Super Bowl, he might have, like, I had that, like, mm-hmm. uh, toe-tap catch, that would have been it, but... I don't know. He's also lucky just to live in this era of the NFL where everyone's going to get discounted because he exists on a team like the Falcons where there's plenty of yards on offer. Um, like, is he better than Antonio Brown even within the current series? In as we'll think historically, probably yes. But is it a debate? Probably at this point, still a little bit. And if you're not if you're not un, if you're not undisputably the best receiver of your era, then are you really up there with Jerry Rice and Larry Fitz, etc.? Yeah, no, of course. Larry Fitz is undisputedly the best receiver of any era. He's just beats the Frank Gore of wide receivers. Well, yeah, that's true. But uh, Johnson, for example, is yeah. exactly. No, of course. And then the final one is we've now got, and obviously this is the most important news of all, the Pro Bowl voting is now open. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just give oh. yourself hype for the Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl hype. Oh, lads, it's <laughs> November. Pro Bowl hype. <laughs> 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 really get Pro Bowl hype. Like Tyreek Hill is apparently still listed on the Pro Bowl ballot as a kick return specialist. What does he need to do to be able to be classified as a wide receiver? So for an idea of what he's got so far this year, he is uh, what nine, just shy of 900 yards. He has nine touchdowns. He's averaging 16.2, uh, averaging 90 yards a game. Like doing pretty well. He's I think fifth in total yardage so far this year. Um, does he just need to stop returning? Yeah. Stop returning kicks. Stop returning exactly. kicks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, like uh, what is it? The Emmys, which have like the comedy, like they have the prize for comedy and musical, and they have the one for drama. And people sometimes put their film into uh, the oh, comedy. Yeah, because I think it's a better one. Guarantee the win. Yeah. Like, is it just like is he trying to like uh, Matt Damon this? Oh yeah, it's like yeah, like, like, like tw- tw- twelve Pro Bowl appearances, all as a kick returner. The win. But if we put him wide receiver, he might lose to like Julio Jones or something. So yeah. let's just put him in with the rec- with the kick returners. But yeah, so we'll, that's I, the only reason why that um, should happen. For some really weird reason, Taysom Hill is on the Pro Bowl ballot as a quarterback. Well, he's like the goat backup, right? That's really, <laughs> really weird. Is it because he's white? Because Lamar Jackson does the same thing, and he's not on this fucking thing. I suppose, but he's he's, he's on he's on, a, he's on a he's on a like a favorite to make the Super Bowl team. Actually, uh, Taysom Hill has a ninety-five point eight passer rating. There, you go. <laughs> there we go, fifty-four yards. But you know, yeah. those those are fifty-four accurate yards. Yeah, I'm just gonna vote Josh Allen for every single position and have a quarter, a team of Josh Allens playing a team of Josh Allens. Excellent. Uh, we will take more questions next week, but we thought we need to get through a few of them because uh, we missed them the last while for you so we're going to move on now to look at the games for next week 
So first up, we have Thursday Night Football, Green Bay at Seattle. I've gone for Seattle, and Fitz and Harry have gone for Green Bay. This is Roland's pick of the week, and because he picked Green Bay, Seattle are definitely going to win. So tell us a bit about this game. Yeah, I'm, I'm not putting myself in a bit of a corner with these picks. <laughs> 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 uh, no, it, it, yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting game. Obviously, I think um, when it comes down to the respective um, records that they have, the respective schedules, it's basically a bust-win game for both of them. Green Bay obviously still in the stick of the hunt for the North and the wildcard spot. Seattle really just fighting for the wildcard spot uh, with, with multiple teams still at this point. Uh, but, but like none of them really uh, been well. I think obviously we're looking at two different teams here. Ironically, like I look at Seattle, we know we talked about them already. Run heavy, keep running, keep running, just keep running. Chris Carson's back, DJ Fluger's back, so they'll go run even more. And if they can dominate the time of possession, if they can dominate uh, the, the 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 Green Bay defensive line, then Seattle is definitely able to shot. But you know, if it comes down to a two minute drill. Aaron Rodgers is probably better. I think, ironically, for Green Bay, the thing that they should be doing a lot more is running the ball because they're one of the most efficient teams running the ball. Now they finally realize that Aaron Jones is good at yeah, football. Yeah, so I, so I read a stat online that like Aaron Jones is the like the highest ranked or, or highest rated like running back that that Aaron Rodgers has ever actually gotten to play with. So, like, if you look at the graph, you can see Todd Gurley and Aaron Jones at the top in terms of efficiency. But, like, Green Bay are, like, I think, like, 30% on first-down runs, and then Rams are over 50%. So, I think Green Bay, they should you take advantage of Aaron Jones. And if they're willing to do that, then they definitely got a shot to take on a Seattle team, which is tough, but definitely beatable. But I think we saw in that Miami game, Green Bay aren't invincible right now. We saw the rest of the season. They're not invincible. And so we'll see. But it's very interesting and obviously huge implications for the NFC uh, playoff race. No, of course. Next up, we have Tennessee at Indianapolis. We've got Indianapolis across the board. I think this one is fairly straightforward. We discussed earlier that, you know, Andrew Luck is playing well. Tennessee are a terrible team. They used all of their mojo up last week whenever they defeated the Patriots. Well, they've to the Jags, I think, the Pats. Look. Yeah, it's true, it's true. So now, next up, we have Tampa Bay at New York Giants. Uh, I've gone Giants. Fitz has gone Giants. Harry's gone Tampa Bay. Shrug emoji. Like, look, um, these are two bad, weird teams that make bad, weird decisions and play bad, weird games. I'm happy to take the coin flip against you to try and get ahead in the picks. Yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> this is going to be enough. shocking. Uh, I think you're currently ahead oh, in the picks. Oh. Uh, oh, yeah. oh, well. Whoops. <laughs> oh, well. Back up. Uh, next up, Pittsburgh at Jacksonville. We've gone for Pittsburgh across the board. Yeah, Pittsburgh are good at football right now. Obviously, they had a big win against Carolina, a very big statement game. Obviously, dominate them in Jacksonville. are just in so much disarray, as you spoke that it's really hard to see Jacksonville even at home. Yeah. So Pittsburgh to continue their fight for uh, uh, like a staying at home during the uh, week one of the playoffs. Yeah, no. I'm a trap game about this one, though. There is a little touch of it, isn't there? Uh, especially with that, like, they're traveling down to Jacksonville. But uh, Next up, Carolina at Detroit. We've got for Carolina across the board. Harry? Yeah, uh, Carolina, yes, they got blown out this week, but they look like a pretty solid, if slightly flaky team. Mm-hmm. Um Detroit are just all over the fucking place. Yeah. They really, really are. Like, it's amazing that Matt Patricia having... Uh, the criticism of Matt Patricia was his failure, particularly in the latter years of the Patriots, to develop a pass rush. And now he's gone to Detroit and they have zero pass rush. So, yeah, that's not... You don't want to give Cam that kind of time to have yeah. uh, options. So, no, yeah, give me Carolina in that one all the way. Yep, we're all for Carolina in that one. Dallas at Atlanta. We've gone for Atlanta across the board. I think this is pretty short. Like, Dallas had a bit of a bounce back last week that looked a little bit better. But, to be honest, this is an Atlanta team that is... Yeah, like Atlanta right now, the split between when they play away and when they play at home, when they're playing in the elements, is huge. The fact that they're in their dome again 
turns them into one of the better teams in the league and against that average Dallas squad I think they have a good chance I think that's like if you want, want to know why Atlanta's results are so random it's because they're shit in the rain basically yeah or a light wind in Cleveland as it was this week yeah so uh, next up is Harry's pick of the week Cincinnati at Baltimore this is a big game yeah, and again, I more think this is to do with, again, the, the implications of what we're seeing. We're seeing an inc- both coaches coming under increasing pressure, long-tenured coaches of two teams have been consistently been pretty good. Um, but also, it's kind of interesting to see which is worse, Baltimore's offense or uh, Cincinnati's defense. This could be a, a very high-scoring or very low-scoring game. It's impossible to tell this is going to go. I'm really interested to see, again, if we... I know that they said, oh, it'll be, you know, uh, whatever we're going to do with Lamar Jackson, whether we start seeing a piece of that. And whether we see a, a, a significant change coming out of Cincinnati in how they're in how they're doing things, whether we see more aggression from two teams—I don't mean the physical aggression that you usually bring—but in terms of like actually going for it, going for it, pushing the ball down the field, and they've done recently could be difficult. Of course, AJ Green is probably going to miss this game again. Uh, all signs are pointing to that, so that could be an issue for uh, Cincinnati. But. This is one of those things that like probably isn't going to matter. I, I don't I disagree with Ronan's assessment earlier. I don't think I these teams are gonna make the playoffs at the moment, although again the wildcard thing is a bit weird. But I think in terms of like what shape these teams take in the next season, this game is gonna be quite instructive because I think both of these teams are somewhere between last chance desperation and just giving up. Uh, this could be the game that gives Hugh Jackson his uh, a thirty three percent increase in his win total over the last three years. <laughs> <laughs> to, to clarify, I don't believe your teams are good. Oh no, it's that. Like competing against Miami, Houston, with their against Miami, Tennessee, and the Colts. That's who's in all in the wildcard ones. So not exactly a murderer's row there, but the Chargers are getting in at the yeah. top wildcard list, certainly. So like was, uh, next up is Houston at Washington. We are taking Houston to beat the Mazungus. Uh, basically. Like we discussed earlier, Washington's line is now heavily depleted. They don't seem to have that much going on offense. Houston have some good pieces on defense who should be able to make the most of that. And their offense has been firing a bit more of late. Uh, like I said, this is Washington at home at least, but I just don't see it. It's hard to believe this is a game between two division leaders, to be honest. Yeah, it's a bit crazy, isn't it? Houston, oh, fuck. Yeah, madness. Like... Yeah, neither of these teams really seem like they should have the amount of wins that they have. Uh, next up, we have oh god, god, uh, Oakland and Arizona. Um, I have gone for oh god, no, please make it stop. Uh, I suppose is Arizona. Um, we've all gone for Arizona, Harry. Do I have to? No, we'll just move on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the LA Chargers. We've gone for the Chargers across the board. Uh, I was, oh, I was so tempted to kind of go for the because Denver play hard in division, but uh, this is them away, so I can't really see it. Fit, uh, fits. Well, you away in inverted inverted commas. Uh, mm. Is it really away? That's so true. Good? Yeah. But the Chargers yeah. play good, solid ball on both sides of the ball right now. And it's just a situation where Denver, like, yeah, they could definitely play them tough, but if it's a situation where it's close, who do you trust more, Case Keenum or Philip Rivers? I know who I'm taking. Yeah, 100%. Next up is Philly at New Orleans. Uh, we've gone from New Orleans across the board. Philly, look, they're, they're in desperation mode to an extent at this point. New Orleans just look to be absolutely coasting. They've got all their weapons together. They've got the addition of Brandon Marshall, who's going to be an X factor in this game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, 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 it is the defensive one they signed, right? <laughs> um, but no, uh, like, 
Philly are a halfway decent team who just can't get it together and New Orleans are a team that are destined for at least the NFC Championship game if not more at this point uh, let's be honest uh, next up Minnesota at Chicago in the late game uh, I've gone Chicago Fitz has gone Chicago Harry you've gone Minnesota I have um, yeah like look I just there's something about this Chicago team that I just don't like um, I think they're good but I think there's something that says to me that this team is, is going to come up short Mm. when it comes down to it. And I think that they we take a lot of them trouncing bad teams. Uh, Minnesota are going to be coming off the bye. We know they have their problems, but we saw, again, them bounce back. We saw them be able to operate uh, even w- without some of their weapons in, in the previous week. Um, and I think that when you look at what they're capable of doing on both sides of the ball, I think they are a better team than the Bears. I think they're a more... I think they're better at football than the Bears. I think the Bears are a smarter team in a lot of ways, mm. but I, I love the talent there. Obviously, Khalil Mack coming back, as we saw, makes a huge difference to the quality of the Bears team, and that Vikings O-line is a little bit bleh. But yeah. even with a player of Mack's quality, I'm always very cautious to call it on one player turning the game that massively. So mm-hmm. I'm leaning towards Minnesota at this point, but it's going to be close. I think like yeah, Minnesota are capable of, is better than what Chicago have, but... Minnesota have been completely random, game by game, no pattern. Maybe maybe Thielen and Biggs and Cook over the bye have got healthy and their offense suddenly explodes. But Chicago, they have been doing it week on week, being consistent. And at home in Soldier Field, they've been really good. So I just think I'm willing to uh, buy into the consistency of Chicago right now, even if it's based on the slight weirdness of the fact that Mitchell Trubisky's turned into a decent quarterback. Yeah. Uh, Next. It's just... Minnesota just just win a couple of games in a row. We'll start trusting you again. Yeah. Next up is my pick for the week, Monday Night Football, Kansas City of the LA Rams in Mexico. Uh, I've gone for Kansas City, and you two boys have gone for the Rams. This is going to be a great crack. Fitz is coming up for it. Art's coming up for it. We're going to live here. Yeah. <laughs> thought of Finsworth. Yeah. A long, long route to the very edge of Dublin 1, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, Dublin 7, actually. Uh, oh, you tell me Dublin Seven? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really should read once, the road signs. Once you hit North Circular, you're in Dublin Seven. Uh, just for mm. any of those, yeah, yeah, it's a huge. It goes all the way from there, all the way down to Stonybrook. But yeah, so this is going to be a great game. Like two, uh, two nine and one teams, both playing exceptionally well at the moment. The Kansas City Chiefs defense has been rounding into form over the last two weeks a little bit. The LA Rams have been providing some questions to it. Both teams have offenses that are firing. They're like they're up in this Mexican air that I imagine we will see. But the strong chance Mahomes will throw a 120-yard pass in this game and completely overshoot a receiver. <laughs> Jacoby Brissett, Hail Mary. He will, he, will, he will straight up, like, uh, was it Uncle Rico, just yeah, fire right. over the mountains, mountain, yeah. you know? Um, but, yeah, look, this is going to be an incredibly fun game to watch. Or think. it's going to be a horrible mud fest. It, it, it's interesting, though, the offense, even though these are two best offenses, they are very, very different. The Rams, their deception requires having this in front and just basically kind of doing the same like just doing different things off the same front whereas the Chiefs there's so much movement so much flexibility they just mm-hmm. do so many things so many different looks on every single play even though they're very like good offences and very new offences it's kind of interesting to see the different ways that they do it uh, but it should be like the KC defence has got better and the LA Rams defence has good players but uh yeah, the offense is going to be blowing up Mexico on uh, Monday night. Yeah, it's going to be it's, it's going like to going to be a hell of a game. Uh, I'm looking forward to it a lot. Uh, as I said, like you know, if New Orleans shit the bed, this could be a potential uh, this could be a potential Super Bowl preview. But I still I'm 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 coming around here side of thinking that that New Orleans team is destined to uh, to make it all the way. Um, so yeah, so that's that's our lot for this week. Any crack yourselves, boys? You're looking forward to this, obviously. 
Uh, you're thinking coming up on the Saturday, we've got Ireland taking on New Zealand here in Dublin in the rugby, which is going to be great fun. Uh, so I think we're going to try and schedule something for that. And we're also looking at some nice, uh, nice kind of food options and a couple mm-hmm. of pinties, and it'll be, be lovely. We are going to destroy our intestines. Oh yeah, it's going to be fabulous. Uh, any other crack with yourselves during the week? Eh, not much. I think I'm going to probably take it easy in the in the run up to uh, the run yeah. up to the big one. Uh, apparently, and I know this has nothing to do with football. Four men in Vladivostok in Russia have been arrested after trying to cross a vehicle-only bridge dressed as a bus. So they got a big cardboard <laughs> bus and walked around. <laughs> Good God! What a time to be alive! What are yourself? It's now your thing has been released. Are you? Uh, are you? Freedom now, or are you just kind of chill and work for a day or two? And yeah, chill and work because I have to do a, a, some marketing stuff. The, the rest of the tech team kind of gets off, but then I'm drafted in to talk about the the new release and do videos and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, that's the the cost that comes with. But you hate talking. Our very own little Tim Cook. <laughs> you know, the, the problem of being a statistician but also loving the sound of my own voice, they, they know how to exploit that at work, unfortunately. Of course, of course. Um, but yes, I suppose, as always, hit us up on Facebook and Twitter and all those kind of things if you have questions for us. Uh, we got to some of them this week, so we might get to some of them again next week. Who knows? Uh, we'll see how it goes. So I suppose for now, that's bye from myself, bye from Harry. Goodbye. Bye from Rowan. Bye. This has been All Four Quarters. Thanks for listening, and we'll chat to you next week. Bye.